0: What is up, Podcast Universe? Before we get started with uh, my breakdown of Chapter 14 of The Mandalorian, holy crap did we get some news today. Today, on December 10th, Disney dropped some incredible news, and for all of us Star Wars fans, for Marvel fans, holy crap, what an amazing time to be a Star Wars fan. So there's not a whole lot of details yet, but... We're going to start off with a, a brand new Star Wars feature with acclaimed filmmaker Taika Waititi, who is also a director of Mandalorian. He is in development with a new project, so that's going to be awesome. The other thing we have, again, not a lot of details, but I will for sure update you guys, uh, a show called Willow. It's going to be an original original series from Lucasfilm starring Warwick Davis, with the pilot directed by John M. Chu is coming 2022 to Disney plus Lucasfilm animation is teaming up with a Lucasfilm visual effects team, industrial light and magic to develop a special star Wars adventure film for Disney plus. Uh, it is a droid story. This epic journey will introduce us to the new hero guided by R2D2 and C3PO. So they are getting their own show. That is going to be awesome. We're also going to have a new show called The Acolyte. is going to be a mystery thriller that will take uh, viewers into the galaxy of a shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. We're going to get some more Sith content. That's going to be incredible. If you've ever played Star Wars The Old Republic, you can be a Sith Acolyte. And the story is really cool. So that is going to be phenomenal. We are getting a Lando series. We're gonna have a show called Star Wars Visions. It's an original series of animated short films Celebrates the Star Wars galaxy through the lens of the world's best Japanese anime uh, anime creators Also up on Twitter. I did retweet it on my Page at the star pod or also Star Wars obviously did tweet it But we got a one minute and 20 second trailer of the Bad Batch Uh, everybody who watched season seven of the clone wars know exactly who that is and i am so excited for that i thought that the bad batch arc in season seven was just so much fun and uh kind of brought something new to clone wars and it was i'm so excited for that we also got a sneak peek of a show called andor another original series that is also up on twitter will be coming in 2022 Rangers of the New Republic, a new original series set within the timeline of The Mandalorian coming to Disney+. Plus. And now the two that is going to make me freak out, and I cannot wait. Uh, we're going to save my favorite for last, but we are getting confirmed the Obi-Wan series with Ewan McGregor, and also Hayden Christensen will be returning as Darth Vader. I... Cannot believe this. This is going to be epic. It's going to be amazing. I love Hayden Christensen as Anakin and Darth Vader. I think that he is an amazing actor. I think he played the part so well. I am such a Hayden Christensen fan. I cannot wait for this series. It will be set 10 years after The Revenge of the Sith and. I, I I don't even know how to function right now. I am so incredibly excited for this. I knew we were getting an Obi wan series. I knew we were getting a. New, I knew it was going to be played by you and McGregor. But I cannot wait. Actually seeing it on my Twitter feed. I I cannot even contain myself. I am freaking out right now. And of course, the last thing that I've saved for last. If you listen to my last podcast, I talked about how the episode with Ahsoka was basically a pilot episode to her new show. It is confirmed that we will get another show, another live action show called Ahsoka, played by Rosario Dawson. It is going to be set within the timeline of The Mandalorian, and it is coming Christmas of next year. I cannot freaking wait. I everybody knows that I am such a huge Ahsoka fan, I'm the biggest Ahsoka fan in the world. I have loved her since season one of the Clone Wars, ever since I first saw her come out of the ship on Christophsis to help Anakin. I have been in love with her ever since, and I cannot wait to see her more in live action. So like I said, uh, I couldn't wait to get this news out. I wanted to get it out right now. Now, a bit of uh, news on the other more selfish front, more news about me. Uh, What's coming up with 2021? First of all, it's safe to say that I have content for years to come. All of this stuff is going to be podcasted. All of it is going to be broken down by me. But on a more content creative path, I have been talking about how I have putting together some YouTube videos and I will be posting them on Kalos the Brave YouTube channel, which I have yet to uh, upload a video. But I'm going to change things up a bit. I have changed my Twitch, my... Twitter and my YouTube to just my name. It's just going to be Brandon Kalos. That way you guys will be, have an easier time finding me. Everything will be lumped into one. It will be, like I said, my Twitch and my YouTube will all be the same name. It'll be very easy to connect with me and and, and just make everything more seamless. I will be uploading my first video on January 1st. And from then on, I will be posting a video every day until I run out of stuff that I have edited. And then I'll probably try to do like a one video a week thing. And also, I would like to start streaming on Twitch. I've got Squadrons as the top of my Christmas list this year, and I would love to play that. I really do want to play some more Old Republic. I want to do a Bounty Hunter story. This is some that's something I have not done on that game yet, and I would I'm going to stream it. I'm going to edit, uh, post it on my YouTube channel. So look for, look for that. Also, another reason why I wanted to move away from Kalos the Brave and just do Brandon Kalos as the YouTube channel is because one thing I want to do for the podcast is do a deep dive into Wikipedia and just do a couple episodes where I just go crazy with with research and everything and I want to do the on podcast, but also I want to film it because that's going to be something that's going to be pretty visual, but also in podcast form so you guys can listen to it but also i would love to have that on the youtube channel as well so not only can you hear it on podcast but you can go to my youtube channel and and watch it and i think that will be really fun i don't i'm not going to film every podcast that i do but maybe one every couple of months i think i think it'd be really fun having a visual aspect to that check all of that out 2021 is going to be a big year for me i i just like i said all the time i just love creating content i love sharing it with you guys and and like I said, I had to get this news out because I am so excited, and uh, I'm definitely going to be updating. We don't we don't know a lot of information right now, but I definitely will be updating you as we get it. Um, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at SarlaccPod. I will be tweeting every single day, retweeting every single day, and then weekly I will be updating you with guys with news as this podcast goes on. And now on to chapter 14 of The Mandalorian. Hello there, and welcome to the Sarlacc Pod. I am your host, Brandon Kalos, and this is a Star Wars Podcast. That's right, we are back with another episode, and uh, well, I'm going to say it again, Star Wars did it again. I talk about it all the time. Star Wars just knows how to... And ha- they, they know how to do it. They uh they never cease to amaze me. I am always intrigued by what they did. Last week when we got to see Ahsoka, I didn't think there was any way to top it. But, well, they did. And now, I'm the biggest Ahsoka fan on the planet. Eventually, there's only two episodes left of The Mandalorian for the season. And I'm going to have to find content and, and, and ideas for... This podcast to to fill until other you know other episodes come out that I can that I can run down and I do have a lot of episodes and, and I'm gonna have my brother back on and we're going to run down and and talk about uh, our favorite movies and we're gonna we're gonna put them from least favorite to favorite but another thing that I want to do is I'm gonna talk about my top maybe ten or fifteen favorite things in Star Wars and. Probably a good seventy-five to eighty percent of those is just, is just going to be Ahsoka. And seeing her live action last week, I didn't think it was gonna to be topped. But holy crap was this episode phenomenal. Again, a couple of weeks ago I talked about on the podcast when Bo Katan just said Ahsoka's name, I freaked out. And I then I and then on that podcast I, I talked about how awesome it is to be a fan of something that you can just have the highs and 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 the lows. If you're disappointed, but just being a fan of something and having being so emotionally invested in a thing, it's just it's awesome. And last week, seeing Ahsoka was the high for me. And, and then I thought, you know, this week I'm going to come down a little bit. But I no, I was not disappointed. This, if anything, was even more of a high because. I've seen Ahsoka for years. She was on Clone Wars. She was on Rebels. I've got to see her. But Boba Fett, seeing Slave One come in, seeing him put on the armor, seeing him fly Slave One again and fight like Boba knows how to fight. There's just something about that that makes it more special to me. I'm 30 years old. Boba hasn't been seen in his armor for longer than I've been alive. So to see that it it brought so much more significance, and while you know I'm never gonna take away, so seeing Ahsoka live action for the first time, but seeing Boba in uniform in in his armor again with Slave, there's just something about that that was super special to me, and it really quite honestly choked me up seeing it, and it's awesome. Again, Star Wars is the best, and this is why I'm doing this podcast. So let's talk about the director Robert Rodriguez. He has directed some of my favorite movies, and uh, when, you know, Sin City, Machete, uh, Planet Terror, which was a phenomenal film, it definitely showed. The fight scenes in this were gritty, they were brutal, and, and and there was some slow motion shots in there that just were awesome, and that had Robert Rodriguez all over it, he's one of my favorite directors, and he, oh man, this... this the style that he brought to this show was awesome and I hope he directs more episodes because he did a phenomenal job it was written by Jon Favreau which there was definite definite Iron Man vibes in this episode let's talk about the cast because there was there was a person who came back that I'm really surprised at and I'm actually quite happy with it so first off we have uh, uh Morrison he played Django in Attack of the Clones, and he was the blueprint for the rest of the clones in this series. And uh, he came back as Boba, and he was. You you, talk about. When you talk about people who were born to play a role, you know, Robert Downey Jr. will always be the perfect Iron Man. Uh, You have Wolverine and Hugh Jackman. Nobody else can play Wolverine. I think that he has nailed this role. Tamura has nailed this role. And I don't think you can cast anybody else, because he did such a good job. We got to see Giancarlo Esposito again, and uh, Gina Carano, which I was not expecting, and I was really happy to see her. But one name, or one actress, stood out, and when I first saw her, I was like, oh, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm happy she's still alive. Uh, Ming-Na Wen, she plays Fennec Shand, and she was actually thought to be dead in uh, the first season, but... I did have one question because at the end of, I I think it was episode five, she was shot by Toro in chapter five and, and thought to be dead. But at the end of the episode, a guy, you only see his feet came up on Fennec and we didn't know who it was, but I mean, we can confirm that it was Boba. So it was awesome to get to see her again. And and she's going to be in the final battle, uh, that, you know, Mando's kind of, bringing up an army we'll talk about that later but it's going to it's going to be cool to have her and boba on mando's side. So as the episode opens up in razor Crest, we have Din kind of playing around with uh newly named Grogu. He's having fun with his name. But this is the really the first episode that we get to see Din emotional. He, he had Grogu force take the ball again. He got a little emotional. He got a little bit upset and I think that he got a little upset because I think in the back of his mind, he doesn't want Grogu to have the force because he doesn't want the Jedi to take him. He's, you know, he's becoming in the father. He's creating this bond, this love for him. And I think that in the back of his mind, he really doesn't want the Jedi to take him. So he kind of doesn't really want him to use the force. I, I I could be reading way too much into that, but, um, we get to Tython, which was really cool to see. I talked about in the last episode that, that Tython was a really beautiful place in, uh, in the old Republic video game and, so as we fly into Tython and we we get to the rock, I thought it was awesome that he he told Grogu that he couldn't land, so we'd have to go with the windows down. And the next se- the next shot was him flying the jetpack and Grogu with a big old smile on his face, just flying through the flying through the air. And as we get to the stone where he at, at the top of the mountain where he's supposed to unlock it with the force, we see the stone with some ancient text, ancient writing we've seen. The last time we've seen it was on the cover of Jedi Fallen Order. Mando puts Grogu on it, and he's trying to say, you know, Ahsoka said that you would do the rest. Why aren't you doing anything? And that's when we see Slave fly in. Again, so many emotions flew over me because that is one of my favorite ships in all of Star Wars. And seeing it, hearing it, was, was just it, awesome. As we see Slave One fly in, Mando goes and like, okay, I'll, I'll I'll go and 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 find out. And as he starts heading down the mountain, Grogu unlocks the temple and starts communicating with the Force, and a blue Force field comes over him. And Din has no idea; he's just going down the mountain to to see what's going on. And in the midst of that, there is some blaster fire. He hides behind a rock, and that's the first time that we see—well, the second time that we get to see Boba. We saw him after Episode One. And obviously Din has been accustomed to people hunting him and and for the child and Boba says that he's not here for the child. He wants the armor and Din automatically thinks he's there for his armor and he says, No, I want my armor that you took from Cobb Vanth. And and Mando being, you know, the 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 foundling he was was like, No, I can't give you that armor. It's it's against the code. And of course Mando just likes to solve a problem with shooting, but that's when Boba says that there is a Sniper aimed right at Grogu, and if he kills Boba, then Grogu gets gets it too. And that's when he realizes that Fennec is still alive, and that's also when he find out that Fennec was basically dead, and Boba saved her, and and she opened up her her shirt to reveal some you know mechanics keeping her alive, and 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 she is indebted to Boba for saving her life, which which eventually Boba is in debt to Mando and therefore Fennec is in debt to Mando as well. That's when we see a ship of stormtroopers come in, and Din automatically knows that they're there for Grogu. So as Din runs up the mountain, he that's when he sees Grogu immersed in the Force, and, and he is full-on, doesn't hear anything Mando says. Mando's like, hey, we gotta go. But of course he can't get to him, because there is, the Force is just surrounding Grogu, and he's... You know, Basically, we don't know if he's communicating with anybody, anybody from the past, anybody from the, the, the present Force ghost. We have no idea what he's doing. We just know that he is fully immersed in the Force. Now, this next probably 10 or 15 minutes is the coolest shots and scenes that have been this entire series, in my opinion. We have Boba with his uh, Tusken Raider Club. He does some insane things with this thing and i love watching him wield it it is so phenomenal watching him take out the stormtroopers one by one the shots of him hitting them in the face and just watching the plastoid uh that's what their armor's made out of just fly through the air was some of the coolest things that i've ever seen certainly in the star wars universe but am I'm, I'm saying like any tv series any movie out there phenomenal and you can give all that to robert rodriguez of course, Fennec and her blaster does awesome things too. We can't we definitely can't put her to the side? the The shots that she has, uh, there was one scene where she jumps backwards off of a cliff and shoots two stormtroopers while landing on her back in slow motion. She's freaking awesome. Going back a little bit, all of this time, Mando is knocked unconscious. He tried to get Grogu, and the Force knocked him back, hitting a rock, and he is completely unconscious. So it is Fennec and Boba wiping out all of these Stormtroopers by themselves, and the shots are fantastic. It is, like I said, brutal, gritty, so fun to watch. And then that's when it happens. Boba takes out a couple more stormtroopers, and he gets to see Razor Crest, and that's when he realizes that the armor is right there. That moment is like, yeah, go get it right now, and then finish the job. Like I was rooting for it. I was like, please go get it, please. I'm begging you. Which of course he does. Finally, Din wakes up from being unconscious, and Grogu is still using the Force. He tries to get him one more time and gets knocked back, and 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 he's like, okay. Do your thing. I'm going to go help them. And he goes down the mountain. Fennec is with her back against the wall. Troopers are collapsing onto her. And that's when we get to see my personal favorite weapon of his, the whistling birds. And he takes out a bunch of them. And that's when Fennec says that she is in debt to him. So uh, she's going to fight her way out and and defend Mando at all costs. And that's when we get to see Baskar do its thing. He's getting shot. Fennec is, is, is... hiding behind him, shooting, using him as a, as a shield because nothing, you know, blaster fire doesn't do anything to his Biscar. At one point, Fennec says, this is a bad situation. And, and Din says, well, I've, I've been in much worse. And it's at that moment we get to see a thermal detonator uh, that was thrown by Boba. A couple go off. And then that's when we get to see Boba in his armor for the first time since Return of the Jedi, clear back in the 80s, way before I was even born. Watching him with his blaster was 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 the funnest thing about this episode. Just watching him take out troopers like it's nothing. He's not even looking at them. At one point, he takes his blaster out, points it to his left, and shoots a guy. Doesn't even look at him. So fun. We got to see his wrist blaster, for lack of a better term, take out three troopers. We get to see the blaster that he has on his knee, which was so freaking cool. I love all the the coolest thing about Ma- the coolest thing about uh being a bounty hunter is all of the awesome weapons and and I've played a bounty hunter in Star Wars the Old Republic as a matter of fact I might do it in YouTube or do some live streams when I start a new bounty hunter character but just the weapons that you can get is so fun it's it's, it's awesome it will always be awesome to be a Jedi and have your lightsaber and slash things up but man the weapons as a bounty hunter that you could get top anything in the star wars universe and of course the troopers go running because you know they don't stand a chance and is that we is that at that moment we get to see him use his jetpack launcher he takes out both shuttles killing them. and and one funny part din was like yeah nice shot and and boba was like yeah I, i i missed i was aiming for the other one which was really funny and and it's cool to see him have a light heart we we got to see him as a kid in clone wars bitter, trying to kill Mace Windu, but if you really stop and think about it, Boba was never really a bad guy character, you know, he was hired by Darth Vader to do these things, and then he worked for Jabba a little bit, but he was never actually like a bad guy, you know, he he's like Din, Din is for himself, if he needs to be the bad guy, he'll be the bad guy, but he's not, I love the scene in, uh, if you ever watch Wreck-It Ralph, and, and Ralph is in the meeting that's for all the bad guys and they at one point i can't remember the the character but he's like i've I've become to realize that just because i am bad guy does not mean that i am bad guy and that is that's boba he was never really a bad guy he just worked for bad people because they hired him so it was cool to see him very appreciative first of all getting of of letting mando keep his armor because at first mando wasn't going to let him and then he showed him the chain cones and and we got to find out something that, Jane, uh, something about Django that I don't think we've ever known. And Django was a foundling, and that's something we've never known. So of course Mando lets him, he tells him that the armor is, is rightfully his. That he was very grateful, and and it's fun to see him re- very lighthearted. We also get to hear him say that as long as Grogu is lost out there, a- until you get him back, you are in my debt, or, or I am in your debt, and I will do anything to fight for you. So we're gonna have Mando. We're going to have Fennec, Boba, Kara, Grief, probably some more Mandalorians. Maybe Bo-Katan comes back. We're going to... This is building up to be a great season-ending fight with all of these heroes, and I'm so excited. But of course, the fight is not over. And the next thing that happens is devastating. And still, what, three days later, I'm still thinking about it, and I'm still incredibly sad about it. From space, we see some cannon fire. And one single blast shoots and destroys Razor Crest. Devastating. Razor Crest has become one of my favorite ships. As a matter of fact, the Razor Crest Lego set is number one on my Christmas list for this year. I love it. So seeing that get destroyed sucked. It was devastating. And at the same time as that, we get to see the Dark Troopers from a couple episodes before, earlier. We get to see Dark Troopers, which, like I said, had John Favreau and Iron Man written all over it. They looked exactly like just something from Iron Man or a Marvel movie as they come down and close upon Grogu, who was now weak because after he uses the Force, he gets really sleepy, which is uh, words from Moff Gideon. As they take him, Boba is in Slave One, and he goes and tracks them, and and that's when he realizes that the Empire's back and. I think slowly people are realizing, character by character, that the empire is still there. Another really cool shot was as Slave is coming back to Titan or back to back to the ground. You get to see the uh, the Imperial cruiser jump into hyperspace, and that that was a really cool shot. Earlier, I talked about how we get to see Din really show some emotion, and it, and he's as he's searching through the wreckage of Razor and he of course he sees Grogu's ball and. and the Baskar Spear, which takes us to Navarro. That's where he uh, sees that Kara has become a Marshal of the New Republic. She did take the job that Carson Teva gave her uh, a couple episodes back. He tells her that he needs to help locate someone from the uh, New Republic prison registry, which we find out that he is looking for Miggs Mayfield, Bill Burr. I'm very excited to see him back again. After he was, uh, found in the prison i'm guessing he is now serving a 50-year sentence in the uh, Carthan crop fields for spring. breaking out a prisoner and then uh, becoming an accessory to the death of the uh, new republic officer cara tells him that you know i can't help you there i can't help you break him out or, or what do whatever they're going to do because you know as much as i hate the empire i i work for the republic now and they have rules and that's when Jarn says well they have the kid this is all Bruin for a nice big battle. He's getting Migs out of prison. We've got Boba. We've got Fennec. This is going to be an amazing end to a season. And next from Hyperspace, we have the Imperial Cruiser, where we hear some commotion from one of the prison cells. This brings up a question that I might have. Who, who was training Grogu on Coruscant? Because... Now, I know Grogu is probably defending himself, and and, and when your back's against the wall, then you're going to do whatever it takes, but there is a lot of dark side in that he was using the Force to choke the troopers and throw him against the wall, and it just almost kind of makes you wonder, yes, his back was against the wall, yes, he was being captured, yes, he's trying to defend himself, but it also makes you realize that where did he even get the idea to Force choke somebody? That is such a dark side thing. So it makes you really wonder who was training him. I guess that's just a question for another time. But yeah, he he's throwing him against the wall, he's force choking him, he's doing all he can to to stay alive. And of course, after he uses the force then he falls and gets sleepy. Again, Gideon's words, not mine. That's when Gideon pulls out his dark saber and shows it to Grogu and asks if he've ever he's ever seen one before. And then deactivating it when Grogu's reaching for it saying that the child is not ready for a weapon like this. And which makes you think they're going to use him for his midichlorians in his blood. But is Gideon going to use him and give him a dark saber? I, I, I don't know. I, I could be looking into more of it than I should. And Gideon tells one of the officers to, as soon as they get out of hyperspace, send a, send a message to Dr. Pershing and tell him that they have the the child, they have the donor and will be there soon. And as the Imperials leave the cell... A stormtrooper puts on a electric shackles and there we have the last scene of just Grogu laying there in, in handcuffs. And that's when the episode ends. This episode was incredible. And, you know, it just shows you with Filoni and Favreau at the helm. This thing has, is has no limits and I love it. But of course we like to talk about some Easter eggs that we have found or that I have found in this episode. We have Slave, we have Boba, we have Boba's armor that I'm counting. Yes, we've seen it before, but I'm counting it because he's wearing it. We hear Boba say that he is just a simple man, like my father before me, which is something that Django said in Attack of the Clones. Also, when Luke says, I am a Jedi, like my father before me. So I'm throwing that in there as well. Not as many as we usually have, but there was no need because... Like I said, this episode was awesome. It definitely did not need the help of, you know, nostalgia. And lastly, I like to leave you with some sort of trivia. And today's trivia is going to be um, Boba Fett. This is where I just take a subject and I read straight from Wikipedia. And uh, I, I, I think I want to start reading a little bit more, but also let you guys do your own homework. Uh, but yeah, I just basically read the first couple paragraphs from Wikipedia and give it a little history, and, and if I have more to add, then I'll add it, and let's get going. So reading straight from Wikipedia, Boba Fett was the unaltered clone of Jango Fett, the human male Mandalorian bounty hunter whose genetic code spawned and birthed an army of clone troopers during the final years of the Galactic Republic. With his customized Mandalorian armor, deadly weaponry, and his fearsome starship, the Slave One, Boba carried on... His father's legacy by becoming one of the most feared bounty hunters in the galaxy during the reign of the Galactic Empire. Trained in combat and martial skills from a young age he became a legend over the course of his career which included contracts from both the Empire and the extensive criminal underworld. When Jango was hired by the Sith Lord Darth Tyrannus agreed to become the template for the Grand Army of the Republic he requested an unaltered clone that he would raise as a son. The comedians honored his request and produced Boba Fett. Boba Fett, unlike the clone troopers, all of whom had been modified through programming and growth acceleration, was pure genetic repli- replication. Boba grew up on the planet Kamino with his father. Boba and Jango were confronted by the Jedi Knight Obi-Wan Kenobi, whose arrival forced the Fett's rendezvous in Tyran- with Tyrannus on Geonosis in, 20- in, in 22 BBY. During the initial phase of the First Battle of Geonosis, Bobo witnessed the death of his father at the hands of Jedi Master Mace Windu. The orphan Fett grew up in the company of criminals during the Clone Wars. He joined the crew with Ora Sang, hoping, to, uh, hoping the ruthless bounty hunter would help him exact revenge on Windu. And that's when in the Clone Wars we get to see him a lot and, and plot to try to kill Windu. Over the years, Fett was employed as a mercenary by criminal lords as well as the Empire. During the Galactic Civil War, he successfully tracked the Millennium Falcon to Bespin for the Sith Lord Darth Vader, who allowed the bounty hunter to take Captain Han Solo to the Hutt gangster Jabba in 3 ABY. A year later, the Alliance to Restore the Republic attempted to rescue Solo on Tatooine, where they fought against the Hutt mercenaries including Fett, above the great pit of the carcoon during the battle solo accidentally slammed a pole into fett's jackpack igniting, igniting it and causing the bounty hunter to tumble into the man-eating sarlacc pit however fett survived the encounter th- though he lost his armor and was present on tatooine years after the incident during which time he healed the fennec shand fett and shand later tracked the mandalorian warrior Din dinjarin has recovered Fett's armor and agreed to help Din protect Grogu from Muff Gideon and his imperial forces in exchange for Din Djarin to return his armor so there is a ton about Boba Fett he is one of the I'd say most popular because most popular characters he is from the original trilogy and uh, if you want to go read more on him, I mean his his Wikipedia page is massive, and it would take me three shows to cover. But he is one of my favorite characters. Empire is my favorite movie, or one of my favorite movies, and and seeing him in it was awesome. And seeing him now, like I said, brought so many emotions. And I'm love that Star Wars keeps doing that to me. You know, I, I've Star Wars. I've watched it so much that. You would think that I couldn't be surprised by it anymore, but it it does. It surprises me every single time I watch something with it, and I love it so much, and and I cannot wait to see more. And like I said, I think that it's in good hands, and I cannot wait to see more. So thank you all for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to reach out and possibly maybe be on the show or maybe a segment and talk with me a little bit, reach out to me on Twitter. You can follow me at Brandon Callos. Also, I'm trying to get my YouTube channel off the ground. That is also going to be Brandon Kalos on YouTube. I've got a couple videos edited that I need to upload. One of those is my trip to Disney's Galaxy's Edge, where I do build a lightsaber. I'd love if you guys went and checked that out as well. But for now, I'll see you all next week talking about Chapter 15. Later.